This is your home for St. Cloud State Hockey, keeping you up to date on the NCHC. One-timer coming, they score! Ripped in! A bomb from Perrix! Women's WCHA. Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. The National Hockey League. Kaprizov in for a chance to win it! He scores! And everything from the state of hockey. St. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title. Welcome to the Huskies Warming House Podcast Den. Episode number 68 of the Healthy Scratch interview segment coming to you on this Thursday morning. Of course, I'm going to be in my vehicle at this uh, current point in time here, Mr. Max, and coming to see you for the first time since we were actually up in Duluth uh, March 6th of 2020. How fitting is it that we had a Duluth guest on there? I know you're not excited to see me, but we were excited to have this guest on. Uh, Only the second guest ever uh, to be on the show that doesn't have direct direct ties with St. Cloud in any way, shape or form. The only other being Bob Motzko, just because he's with a rival organization, I should say. Um, But of course, Bob had some ties, but uh, Bruce Siski joined us uh, from Duluth radio. I, what were your thoughts on this interview, Nick? Well, with Bruce, you you get a guy that's very articulate, very intelligent, has been around that program for a number of years and uh, quite the storyteller. Um, I I wish we could have more time to record with him because some of the stories we shared both before and then after we recorded the show, uh, Noah, just fantastic again from Bruce. Uh, Again, and and just some of the the points of view that he has on certain topics, I think are very important. And I think some of the advice that he'll give to some of the Huskies fans for this upcoming season, I think you're going to want to hear that. So uh, again, fantastic interview, Bruce. Again, he's always been cordial. Uh, I've had multiple conversations with them, both at the Herbrooks National Hockey Center, um, at the uh, Excel Energy Center prior to some big NCHC games and of course it up at Hamsoy. He's always been a, a great guy to be around and full of hockey knowledge, full of, uh, of great, just general human being. So it's going to be a great interview. You know, I, I think Huskies fans are going to enjoy this one quite a bit. Yeah, I agree as well. I think Bruce sometimes gets a hard time, you know, for his role and, you know, of course his Twitter presence, that sort of thing. But uh, it was pretty obvious from the get go, you know, he was, you know, sitting on his couch, just hanging out. And it sounded like he was doing a professional radio show on K fan or something, you know, giving a, a, you know, all these talking points uh, like it was his day job because, Hey, you know what? It is his day job and he does a very good job covering the team. How about that? Yeah. How about it? Right. (laughs) And we had a very good time. Won't keep you waiting. Episode number 68. Episode number 68 here in the Healthies, uh, the Healthy Scratch interview segment. Can you tell it is a Thursday night, Noah? Joining us here this evening is uh, UMD radio voice, uh, Bruce Siski. Uh, Bruce, thanks for joining us here on what seems to be, at least from my background, uh, Huskies Warming Us podcast after dark is what it looks like, honestly. I was going to say, uh, I don't know what you got going on over there. It's kind of weird. Looks like uh, I, you're, you're obviously prepping for October, so that's good. 
I prefer October. Uh, at least St. Cloud is. We'll get into Aaron Rodgers in the win, the Packers a little bit later. I don't know if he's prepped for September or August. I'm not sure. But uh, let's stick with uh, Duluth here, first of all, though. Uh, I, I guess, suppose first question is, uh, again, uh, I guess a quick recap of their last season uh, and I guess your, your initial thoughts and uh, where they stand here. here, and uh, I guess here in July. No, my gosh. Yeah, it is July. Um, yeah, another year, another frozen four run. Uh, the, that was the weirdest year ever, and I hope it never happens again. As much fun as uh, as it was to follow that team, it was uh, it was just everything was aggravating. You, you miss having fans in the building, miss traveling. Uh, I made exactly zero road trips last season. Hope that never happens again. But you know, they the guys fought through. You know, and and you know that North Dakota game in the regional was that was their season because. You know, they, they had every reason to pack it in after North Dakota scored those two quick goals to tie the game late in the third period. They had come out in overtime. North Dakota almost ran them out of the building in the first five minutes of overtime. But after that, they settled back in. There were times they were the better team. And they probably got what they deserved in the end, which, which was the Luke Millimock winning goal in the fifth overtime to go back to the Frozen Four. And I know they didn't get the job done there, but this is a, that was a pretty special run that that this group had not just last year, but the couple of years prior to that, you know, going into that shutdown, a lot of people had them as a team that could win it all for a third straight year after having, you know, they just won back to back. I mean, this is, it's the, uh, it's the golden era of of Bulldog hockey. We're all happy to be here for it. It's kind of interesting when you talk about Duluth and I think Luke Milmark is a, um, it's a great transition to talk about the coaching staff that's there right now. Of course, Scott Sandlin had been there since 2000. I, uh, you know, and knowing a player like Luke, who, you know, I believe only saw 11 regular season games and not much ice time in that game before uh, scoring uh, arguably one of the most historic goals uh, in college hockey to date. Uh, what does Scott Sandlin and his coaching staff bring to this Bulldog group from your perspective as media personnel, um, seeing him for so many years? Scott has masterfully identified the types of players that he wants. And it's not just what they do on the ice. It's their character in the locker room. It's their attitude. You know, Luke Millimock walks in here and, and he said all the right things after he scored that winning goal. But, but what he said was he, he basically, he described the culture of this program. He walked in the door as a freshman and Blake beyond, he was sitting next to him. It's the same thing. Those kids walk in here, they know the history, they know what this team has done, and they know that these guys, these seniors, these juniors know nothing but winning and going to the Frozen Four. And what they want more than anything is to help get the team back to the Frozen Four because that's what all these juniors and seniors know. That's all they've ever done in their college careers is go to the Frozen Four. And when you build that kind of culture and you bring the type of people in like Luke Millimock who want to carry out that culture in their four-year run, it, it just makes it all the more special what you're able to do. And, and, you know, Scott's done a great job. His assistants have done a great job. You've seen what Brett's done at St. Cloud, and you're going to continue to see it because, you know, he helped bring those players in here. You know, the, the players they identified as the types of people they wanted, and he's bringing that exact same culture to St. Cloud. 
and Bruce, uh, we're going to touch um, on those St. Cloud and Duluth connections, say, I think a little bit later. Uh, but the question I had for you is, you know, Duluth doesn't necessarily run their opponents out of the building in the regular season. You know, they don't seem to be, you know, this, you know, dominant force, uh, you know, having this incredible regular season record. But when it comes to push to shove, when the playoffs come, these team always seems to get the job done, at least as a recent history. Uh, I guess, do you have an idea of why Scott Sandlin or how he's able to get these players to step up uh, when the games matter? I think, that, again, that goes back to your culture, the, the ability of the expectations that they have here is that you'll play your best hockey in March and April. And, you know, when you get there, you have games like that Western Michigan game in the, in the frozen faceoff in Grand Forks where, you know, they get a lead on you, they come back late, they tie the game, they force overtime, and you don't panic. Bad things are going to happen over the course of a game. It doesn't matter what level you're at and how you respond to those things a lot of times it dictates your, you know, the final result. And for UMD, a big part of what they've been able to do over the years is, you know, keep that even keel. When things are going great, you play the same way. When things are going bad, you play the same way. And you know, in the playoffs, I, I think it works for them because that mentality is not too high, not too low, even keel. And it can drive these coaches insane when there's when things aren't going well because they keep the players keep that even keel. And sometimes you want to see a little more urgency, a little more desperation out of the group. But in the, at the end of the day, it's that even keel that I think has gotten UMD where they are. And you talk about, you know, that culture aspect, right? You know, it always revolves back to the guys in the locker room and guys that are coming back for a fifth year, Kobe Roth, Kobe Bender, Matt Anderson, Louis Ray on the docket, Noah Cates is staying put and he's going to be a bulldog for another season. Uh, what do those fifth year seniors, especially Kobe Bender, who had that breakout year last year, what do they bring to the table in that culture uh, that has known nothing but winning in recent years? Colby Bender brings something else to this culture, and that's a guy that, that has worked his tail off to get where he is. You guys might not be aware of this, but his first couple of years, he barely played. And his Frozen Four debut was this past April against UMass because the last couple of the first couple of years at UMD, he was a healthy scratch at the Frozen Four. He didn't play in any of those games. And, and he typifies, I think, the kind of players that they like to have here you know, because they're four-year guys, but they're guys that will leave a lot better than they came because they're going to come in and put the work in. I remember a conversation I had with Jason Herter, who was an associate coach at UMD up until the, uh, a couple of years ago. And, and Hertz said, you know, in Colby's freshman year, Bender that is, you know, he wasn't ready. And he recognized that he wasn't ready. He put the work in and practice to get himself ready. It took time, but he kept putting that work in. And, and that's, you know, again, it kind of speaks to the kinds of people you have here. But, yeah, you know, his speed, Colby Roth, that, that knows for the net that he has such a smart player can play on just about any line. You know, Matty Anderson, I thought, had a really good year last year. Louis Rail helping mentor Wyatt Kaiser on that top defensive pairing, probably playing more minutes than he ever had before at UMD. I thought he held up really strong. Having those guys back and having Noah back, that leadership that he brings and, and the ability he brings as a winger, it sounds like the plan's going to be to get him back on the wing after he played center last season. I think that's big for this team as well because Noah Cates on the wall is an absolute beast. Going to the net is a beast, and he doesn't have those defensive responsibilities that a center has. doesn't mean he's not a good defensive player because he's a very good defensive player, but I, I think he's going to be a little – you know, the reins are going to be loosened a little bit for him. He'll be more impactful, I think, offensively and, and develop into the kind of player the Philadelphia Flyers are going to love to have a chance to sign after next season. 
you, you talk about, you know, a, a season that nobody wants to ever see again last season, uh, certainly in terms of the scheduling and, and everything else that happened. I hope we don't see it again. But some of the things that are still kind of the ripple effect, uh, Bruce, is that the, the transfer portal uh, these last uh, off seasons, you want to say, has been kind of different. Uh, but it seems like you, uh, UMD might be the beneficiary of some uh, tr- transfer portal incoming. You have uh, Ford, uh, Casey Gilling coming in from Miami. Uh, he's going to be quite the addition, as you saw with St. Cloud, uh, uh, two transfer portal pickups that I think were very impactful uh, in Jared Crockle and Seamus Donahue. But uh, what are you looking forward to with Casey Gilling joining the UMD lineup for this upcoming season? Well, first off, he's an experienced center, which is something that if you, you know, you're you going to move Noah Cates back out to the wing, you don't have a lot of experience up the middle with this team. And I think Casey Gilling is going to help a, a lot in that area. He's a guy that's been good on faceoffs in the past. He's a guy that scored some goals. He can make some plays. He can kill penalties. So, you know, I think he can step in. I, I think back to when Peter Krieger transferred to UMD from Fairbanks, and, and he had to sit a year, which I think helped him a little bit get acclimated the umd gilling doesn't have that luxury but i think that they're uh, in terms of their skill sets a little similar and i think that you know the smarts that gilling brings to this team that's a big positive as well so it's a good pickup for umd they, they didn't do a lot of shopping in the portal some teams did more than others and, and umd went and got the one guy that i think they needed uh, and you look around that roster it's pretty strong now that you've added that experienced center in gilling it's uh, interesting as we look towards uh, this season, of course, St. Cloud State last season playing Duluth. I can't remember if it was seven or eight total times with four overtime games that it jumped in there. I want to say, was it seven? Is that uh, the number that we're going with? I can't, it's so many, and I don't think it will ever be replicated ever again. My point being is seven. I think it was seven as well. My yeah. point being is that uh, we probably won't see it replicated uh, again anytime soon. St. Cloud has uh, January 7th and 8th, the Bulldogs at the Herbrooks National Hockey Center this year. Uh, and of course, ending the season as always up in Amsoil on March 4th and 5th. Uh, a pretty home heavy schedule, even non-conference wise for the Bulldogs. But uh, St. Cloud State and Minnesota Duluth are going to see each other four times and 11 times total then in the last two years. What did you see out of the St. Cloud State Huskies in those matchups with the Bulldogs last year? And what do you expect to carry over into this year? Similar teams. They play the game, you know, that cliche, you play the game the right way, which to me, it's it's you're not a lot of that chippy stuff. You're not, uh, you're, you're not seeing guys taking runs at people. It, it's pretty clean hockey. It's good hockey. It's it, it, There's a lot of action usually when these teams play. And, and you can, it, it, a lot of times it's like playing hockey and looking in a mirror while you're doing it because there are so many, and you would expect that, right? You know, Brett Larson having taken over in St. Cloud, he has molded that program in his vision after he helped mold UMV's program partially in his vision here. And, and it, it's not a surprise. And it, it's so much fun when these teams play because you know when you walk in the building, you're going to see a good game. Uh, speaking of surprises, Bruce, uh, I don't think any one of us who covered the NCHC maybe were as surprised as maybe some others around the nation when St. Cloud State found themselves in the national championship game this past season. Uh, I guess I want to catch your thoughts into the St. Cloud State's historic run uh, that they went on here this past spring. Uh, was it expected? And to what did you see out of the St. Cloud State team that got them uh, to be the national runner-up here in 2021? I think the steadiness and the maturity in their game was a was a big a big thing for them. And and David Rennick, you know, I, I know that sometimes on Twitter that it it turns into kind of a running gag. Rennick stops the first shot, and the Huskies have a chance to win. And you know, it, he's had some shaky moments, yes, but 
you know, to me, he typifies that team because he doesn't get too high. He doesn't get too low. And, you know, Brett Larson knows if David Rennick is, is going to have a bad game, you can put him back out there in the next game. He's going to play well. You, you trust him in that regard. And I think that made a big difference for that team as they worked through this past season. But, you know, you just look up and down that lineup the, and, you know, we talk about the experience, the importance of having that experience up the middle. St. Cloud State had great center play last season. That was a big factor for them. Versatility, you know, guys that can play all sorts, all different spots for them. That was big. And, and yeah, the transfer additions, Donahue and, and Cockrell, both were really good for them. Nick Purvix was unbelievable last season. And, and, you know, all of it came together at a great time. You know, they, they had the run out in Albany. They got to the Frozen Four, and we were one goal away from, beating the, from them playing UMD for an eighth time. When you uh, also mentioned, uh, you know, Nick Perbix, who uh, thankfully staying in a St. Cloud sweater, he's going to be a dangerous force. And you he's... think, thankfully, I'm not sure I agree, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I guess we'll see. But, uh, you know, and normally we try not to, you know, maybe single out one or two guys. But uh, on the Duluth side, when you look at St. Cloud's lineup, are there one or two guys that you have circled on that lineup chart every night that you say, that's a guy that I got to pay attention to where he's going to be on the ice uh, for all 60 minutes? Well, Perbix is one of the best defensemen of the country. He was last year, and he'll be again this year. I, absolutely, he's a guy. When you look at that line chart, you 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 look and see where he is, and then when you, you're looking out of the ice, you're looking for that number because you expect that if he's out there, something is going to happen for St. Cloud State. And, and Easton Brodzinski, for me, has become that guy. You know, talking to Brett Larson last season and, and watching him mature and evolve into an you know, kind of that honest two-way player. He's not just a big shot guy that he had the reputation for being when he showed up. He is an all-around hockey player, a difference maker in, in all facets of the game. And he's another guy, when he's on the ice, you better be aware. Go ahead. No, oh, I, I was just want to follow up. We've talked about the man so much here, but really haven't had a question yet. And that's Brett Larson, a seven-year extension uh, for the St. Cloud State head coach after three years uh, behind the bench for the Huskies. Uh, Bruce, are you surprised at all for the seven-year extension? Do you think it might even be a little too short with what Brett brings to the table? And uh, the better question is, what does Brett bring to the table? Well, there's not a lot of guys that get the Mike Hastings 10-year deal uh, in college <laughs> hockey. So, yeah, I think seven years, that works for him. And, you know, I, what he brings to the table is he is such a good person. I think people are – they're drawn to somebody like Brett because he's the genuine article. Because what he says, he means – you know, what he means, he does. And, and he's not going to ask anybody on this team to do something that they're not capable of. And, you know – you 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 want to play for a guy like Brett Larson. You you want to you, you want to go to battle with that guy because you know he's got your best interest at heart and he's got the team's best interest at heart. And he's just he's an incredible human being, one of my favorite people in college hockey. I couldn't be happier for him and and I'm not the least bit surprised he's done what he's done in St. Cloud. Nor is it a surprise to us, I think, uh, uh, Bruce. The, you know, we touched on the rivalry a little bit uh, between the Huskies and and the Bulldogs here, at least this you know this past season. But looking at even in seasons past, this has kind of developed into kind of like a one-two punch where the game seemed to always be close. Uh, the fans seem to be drawn to this matchup. Uh, as a broadcaster and as a uh, I guess a radio personality, what uh, when these these two teams come together, uh, what are some of the things that you like to watch in this series, and why is it so exciting to watch? 
I, again, I think it's the similarities of the teams, their styles. They play the game the way you want it to be played. I, I think, you know, I look at St. Cloud, I look at Denver, I look at UMD as all being very similar in how they play, how they structure their teams. And, and when they play, it tends to be good hockey. And yes, there are going to be games. There's going to be some two, one grind out type games because these teams are so smart. They're so good defensively. And, you know, it, it goes back. I've used this quote a hundred times, but at the 2018 frozen faceoff, when uh, Jim Montgomery is still the head coach at Denver, they were playing UMD in the semifinals. And I don't usually want to talk about that weekend because it didn't go well for UMD. It led to point zero 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 one, And we all saw what happened after that, but that was not a fun weekend. But before that game against UMD, Jim Montgomery said, they scare us to play the game the right way. And I think that's true of, of Denver when they play UMD, Denver when they play St. Cloud, and it's true of UMD St. Cloud. They scare each other to play the game the right way because they know if they don't play the game the right way, the puck's going the other direction, and it's probably going to the back of their net. Yeah, we talked about uh, that big loss for St. Cloud actually up at Amsoil on the second to last uh, weekend of the regular season. It's maybe that turning point for this Huskies group. Uh, and you talk about playing the game the right way and those tight games. Special teams usually is kind of the difference maker. One of the anomalies this year for the Bulldogs was their penalty kill sitting uh, well south of 80%, I believe 75.5 on the year. Uh, uncharacteristic of Bulldog teams of years past. Bruce, do you think that uh, that penalty kill was an anomaly this season or were there some underlying things that maybe were pinpointed uh, that need to change moving forward? I think at times it was, it was kind of um, how can I, I'm trying to think of the right word, kind of distressing for me to watch because the, there were too many breakdowns. So there, there were, you know, missed coverages and, and bad communication. It looked like at times, and those are things that are very uncharacteristic. And there were times that they were victims of bad bounces there were times they were victims of shots that went off of, of themselves and into the net, stuff like that, that happens. That's just bad luck. You can't really put a lot into that, but I, you know, I would say it's an anomaly because historically they've been so good on the penalty kill and let's just see what happens here this season, you know, and, and, and going forward. But yeah, it was, it wasn't a great year on the penalty kill. And it, that was, a, I think a big part of why they ended up where they were, you know, a bit of a lower seed than they normally would have uh, kind of a struggle up and down season. But at the end of the day, they heard the frozen four again. So I can't complain too much. Right. Yeah, absolutely. The one quick follow-up question, the other statistic I wanted to get to here, 46.7% uh, in the face-off circle, a little bit lower than years past too. Was that something that I, uh, you know, was kind of what you would call maybe eye candy or something visually that you could see as a broadcaster or something that uh, you maybe more started to take notice on as the year went along? I, it's something that I've noticed the last few years. I, I don't know that their numbers ever been as low as it was this, this past year, but they've had a couple of sub 50% seasons here recently. They, they, I want to say in 2018, they were sub 500 almost all season and won the national championship. Despite that, uh, you know, I don't put a lot of stock in faceoffs because you know, it, it's, it's one glimpse at puck possession, but if you look at their overall puck possession numbers last year, they were a little down. I wonder if there's a correlation. And the one thing that I would say was a little concerning is the number of clean faceoffs that they lost. You know, you, you want to at least give your wingers a chance to help you out. If you're a center struggling in the face, off circle and there were too many times last season they were losing draws clean in key situations and and that's the kind of thing that's that's it can be very difficult on a team because that immediate possession 
in, in not having an opportunity to at least dig to work for that puck, it, it can get a little frustrating for guys. And, and I know for the, for the head coach, it was at times last year pretty frustrating too. Bruce, I want to touch on uh, the uh, Frozen Four matchup just briefly against UMass, a team that went on to win the national championship. Uh, especially going into the overtime period, uh, one thing that I've never usually seen here, and I've been watching the Huskies and and, and the, the Bulldogs here the better part of three to four years very closely now as a broadcaster, uh, but never did I once see Duluth get completely pummeled and kind of trapped in their own zone as much as UMass did in that game. Uh, I guess how much would you say you attribute that to UMass being that good, which again, not taking away from them, the Minutemen were freaking good this year, but also for Duluth, do you think they ran out of gas or what do you think, uh, you know, led to that overtime and being such a dominant formula for UMass? I don't think it was one thing. Uh, first off, the credit goes to UMass. They rose their game to a level that UMD could not match. Um, you know, the reasons for that could be a multiple things. It could be that the Bulldogs ran out of gas. It could be that, that UMass just had that gear that UMD did not. And, and that's going to happen sometimes. And, and there's not a whole lot you can do about it, but it was, it was difficult to watch. And there were signs I thought in the third period that, that UMD was, was kind of falling away from its game a little bit. And I, I can't say I felt the best going into that overtime. You, the history certainly was on UMD side, but history in 50 cents gets you a cup of coffee. It's not, it doesn't mean a whole <laughs> lot. It's nice to talk about during the overtime intermission. It, once the game actually is being played, it, it doesn't help UMB necessarily in, in that moment. Um, but yeah, it was everything that had gone wrong. It was lost face-offs. It was, you know, they, they couldn't get clean exits and, and they couldn't get, they couldn't generate really any puck possession, do anything in the offensive zone. Uh, it, but you could see it coming to an extent. And when it did end, I can't say it was shocking the way it ended because, you know, they were buzzing and they, they probably got what they deserved in the end. Looking ahead to this season, Bruce, and before we get to the fun questions, we've got a couple of those too. Uh, some NCHC preview here. We had Ben Holden on last week and we talked about our predictions for the NCHC. Uh, and I want you to listen carefully here because Ben had some uh, discrepancy with our list here. We had Colorado college in the eighth spot. Miami in seven, uh, Denver in six, Omaha in five, Western in four, uh, North Dakota in three, St. Cloud in two, and Duluth taking the top spot. He agreed with us on everything, except he thought St. Cloud and Duluth should be flipped. Now, I know you're a Duluth guy, but I'm wondering objectively, uh, are there some of those that you would change around in that order? I have a really hard time with Denver being as low as sixth. Uh, okay. and, I, and I'll be honest, I haven't looked. Um, you know, it, it might make sense. I know Omaha is got a chance to be a very good team. I, I believe in, in what Mike Gabinette's building. Um, I, I like Western Michigan, the experience that Andy Murray's got coming back with that team. I think they're going to be very, very good, a very difficult team to deal with. You know, Brad Barry has you know, probably did more transfer portal shopping than anybody else in our league, but, but he had to, the losses they incurred, and he brought in some very good players. I think North Dakota is going to be a serious threat. Uh, yeah. And, and St. Cloud UMD one, two, it's hard to argue that either way. Um, I, I could see it ending both ways. I probably, boy, I'm, I'm going to probably get killed for this. I was going to say <laughs> nobody in the loop can hear this, right? Not yet. Not yet. No. <laughs> Like when it comes out, can you like block it from being viewed or, or shield blocked? <laughs> I wish hey, I had that. Hey, 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 I asked you to be objective, and that's just what you're doing. You're being a professional. I Bruce. probably would pick St. Cloud to win the league. 
Um, if for no other reason, the fact that UMD's never won the league when I picked them to. So. <laughs> and because St. Cloud's really, really good, Bruce. <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah. That's fair. UMD is going to be too, though. So <laughs> they are going to be year, good. I think that every year, I think this league can't get tougher and it finds a way to. I think Miami's going to be improved. Uh, I like Chris Bergeron a, a great deal. I think he's the right coach for that job. Uh, Colorado College is going to get there eventually. It's it, This is going to be a tough year, I think, for them. But this league is not going to get any easier. If, if you can sanely pick Denver to finish sixth, you've got a difficult league. Very much so. And, and like you had mentioned, Bruce, it's it's hard even for us to stomach that Denver could be sixth. But again, with the season they had last year, uh, it left, I think, a little bit to be desired uh, in terms of where uh, where they might head. Uh, but speaking of left to be desired, uh, you know, when, Noah, you were talking about some of those um, uh, penalty kill numbers. I think a big part of the loss on the back end for UMB was Scott Perunovic, uh, the Hobie, Baking, Hobie Baker winning defenseman. But you've got quite uh, the replacement up there. One of the uh, freshman defensemen, Wyatt Kite, that really seriously impressed me watching his game. Uh, he reminds me a lot of Scott Perunovic, uh, I guess, going into a sophomore season, uh, Bruce. Uh, are you excited to watch him? And what do you think more steps that he needs to take to get his game to the next level? I want to see how his game grows offensively. I thought he had a great defensive season. I thought he got better as it went on. I think Louis Rail's a really good partner for him in a lot of ways. But I want to see how his game grows on the offensive end. He's going to quarterback probably the top power play unit again. Um, the, the Bulldogs last year struggled big time getting goals from the blue line. It's not it's not something Scott Sandlin puts a big time emphasis on. I mean, this team got to the NCAA tournament, I think it was five or six years ago. And only one of their defensemen scored a goal at, at any point in the season. It was Andy Walensky. He scored five. It was the only five goals scored by a defenseman that year for UMD. It's not ever been a big point of emphasis, but I do think it's an area they have to improve if they're going to take that next step. And I think why Kaiser, the, the offensive ability he has, I think he's front and center. Connor Kelly, we saw him step up offensively in the second half last season. And it's, I'm going to be excited to watch what he does in his sophomore season, while wow. second freshman, whatever you want to call this, you know, year coming off a year where nobody's charged eligibility. Uh, but but Connor Kelly and Wyatt Kaiser are two guys that I think offensively are going to take a big step for UMD this coming season. Three national championships, obviously, in the last decade for the Bulldogs. I believe, Bruce, you started working in Duluth uh, in sportscasting around 1996. Is that uh, a correct year that I have? And you've been on the mic uh, solidly since 2009. Uh, is, is that uh, So it, the, the, the broadcasting games thing is a long story. I started it in 05 after the season had started. Um and then I, st I left it in 09, not by choice, came back in 2010, have had it ever since. Um, yeah, 1990, I don't know how you did that research, but it's pretty impressive. 1996 sounds, uh, October 1996, to be a little more precise about it, it's about when I got started uh, well, broadcasting up here. So it's been, holy smokes, by the time the season starts, 25 years, and I still haven't left. Well, if it makes you feel any better, Bruce, I was born in December of 96, if that makes you feel any better. No, it doesn't make you feel any better at all, but thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. As long as, as long as you don't pull me into the conversation, then we're fine. So I've Mike, got 10 years on it. My guy was October of 86. So okay, well, my, we're on the same page, Bruce. I get you. Fair Mike, enough. My question that I was going to get to here, Bruce, I, I of course, you've, uh, you're have you getting ready for, I believe that would be essentially your 11th season, somewhere around there. 17th. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, same, yeah. same thing, Bruce. Anyway, yeah. if you count the two stints, add it all together at 17. That's way too much math for me. Uh, my question being is back. I did see, I did see a piece in 2014 uh, on one of your bios that at the time you said that the 2011 national championship was the highlight of your broadcasting career. Does that still stand true to this day? Or uh, since you've uh, continued your tenure, uh, is there other moments that have really started to kind of uh, inch up there in uh, popularity, if you will? I'm going to be honest, the uh, the 2019 NCHC championship game at XL Energy Center has, it, it is up there now for me, only because I was standing next to my kid when they scored the winning goal. He was able to join me in the booth for that game. Um, that was, the, we had the time of our life that night. That was great. That was a lot of fun. Um, so that was pretty special to have him next to me when, when Nick Sweeney scored that uh, partial breakaway goal against uh, who they play that night. I can't remember eh, some team. <laughs> no idea. Can you, can you remind us? Uh, that might've been St. Cloud state. Oh, well, I mean, these guys. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah those <laughs> guys. Wait for them. Actually, they were on the uniform. That's uh, over your right shoulder that night. Cause they were the home team. Yeah. There's a little salt there. Salt Bay is right there. So <laughs> it's all good. Is, isn't it, that isn't that it? was a hell of a hockey game though. Bruce, yeah. that was, and uh, that, I told Josh Fenton uh, that September at Media Day, I said, if you could bottle up a hockey game and, and show it as an advertisement for a neutral site conference championship and an event that they're trying to grow at XL Energy Center, you couldn't have picked a better game than that. That was that was what college hockey is supposed to be. A great atmosphere, two great hockey teams that that were playing for, by the way, simply playing for a trophy. They had nothing else on the line that night. And they left it all out there. It was tremendous theater for everybody that was there to see it. Is it almost like uh, shocking to think that last year when North Dakota had that third period come from behind win, that was the first time that a one seed has actually won the NCHC frozen faceoff since the league inception. Is it that surprising or not surprising at all? I don't think it's surprising at all. I, 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 I mean, in a way, yes, because you expect the one seed's the best team, and 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 they're going to win the the conference tournament. But that's a it just shows you how tough a tournament this is to win, especially when you get to single elimination, and anything can happen in a single elimination. That's what makes what UMB has done the last three years so doggone impressive to get to to get the four straight Frozen Fours in a single elimination tournament where anything can happen, and yet they still find ways to win. Pretty nuts. Uh, speaking of uh, teams who keep finding ways to win, uh, I want to switch gears a little bit just because, uh, it, Bruce, you're very active on Twitter <laughs> and uh, listening. You know, actually, I I'm not listening, but reading. Uh, ah, active sometimes, right? But uh, I, you're a Wisconsin guy, I gather. So you, I, I see a lot of chatter about the Milwaukee uh, Brewers, uh, the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I don't know, some, some football team out there that's, I don't know, kind of crazy. But I want to get at your take on a certain soldier that uh, was out and not on the opt-out list. I, I want to get your thoughts on the Aaron Rodgers situation. And here's my thing about it. I think he's going nowhere. Honestly, I think this is all theater. I think Aaron Rodgers is trying to pull every little media string that he can. I still think he suits up game one for the uh, for the cheeseheads out there. And uh, I think that he, again, will be the starting QB here for uh, uh, for the Green Bay. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Did you guys watch The Last Dance, the Jordan documentary on ESPN during the quarantine last year? And I took that personally. That is what this season is going to be for the Packers. This is going to be the last dance 
Uh, Aaron Rodgers will be there in July at the end of July for training camp. Aaron Rodgers will be on the field September 12th when they take on the Saints. He, he will be this team starting quarterback. And come hell or high water, the season will come to an end. And whether they win a Super Bowl or get to the Super Bowl or, or, or lose because they kicked a field goal in the fourth quarter of the NFC Championship game again, whatever the, the final result is, they will – you know, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers will go their separate ways, and so probably will a few other players on this team that are key cogs in this team uh, go their separate ways from the team and go somewhere else to play. And the question then becomes, you know, who ponies up for Aaron Rodgers? What can the Packers get for Aaron Rodgers? And, you know, how quickly can they get back to that level when Aaron Rodgers moves on? Because I do think he will after the 2021 season, but I think the 2021 season he'll be a Packer. And yeah, this has been theater. I think he's enjoyed every second of this. You know, somebody was whining the other day on Twitter about, you know, he could just end all this right now if he wanted to. You're right. He could. And he's not because he doesn't want to. Uh, he's enjoying all of this. And, you know, to whatever extent Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur and, and Mark Murphy are twisting in the wind, Rodgers loves that. He thinks it's great, but he has no leverage. He's not going anywhere. No, totally agreed. Uh, uh, Bruce, I, I kind of want to get your thoughts on the Aaron Rodgers tenure uh, just a little bit. Is it one Super Bowl win underneath uh, Aaron Rodgers, if I'm correct on that? Uh, and uh, granted, there was some, uh, I'd call it an end zone call that uh, was essentially called both ways against Seattle that probably shouldn't have been called one way. Uh, do you think it's a little bit of a travesty that uh, Aaron Rodgers is only one uh, one Super Bowl uh, championship, uh, whether it's here or somewhere else. Uh, I think he's the caliber player that I think should have more than one ring. Don't you agree? So it, here, here's the thing. It's really hard to win. It doesn't matter what sport you're playing. It doesn't matter what level you're at. If, if being with this UMD program has taught me anything, it's to appreciate what's in front of you because it is really hard to get there. Yeah, unless you're Tom Brady for some reason. Yeah, he's got yeah. the magic formula. What I don't know what it is. I don't get it. You know, they he wasn't even that good last season. He threw three picks in the second half of the NFC championship game. That's normally a ticket to a loss. And and people are what was he done? He was awful in the Super Bowl and they still won big, you know, because they had a great team built around him and he did what he had to do. You know, it, it I, I don't get how he's doing it, but he's still doing it. And, you know, outside of him, you know, Drew Brees won one, Brett Favre won one, Dan Marino won zero, John Elway won two, right at the end of his career when they finally built a great team around him. You know, it's really hard to win these things. And I think, you know, people that want to talk about the failures of the Packers only winning two with Favre and Rodgers, they won two that still counts for something. And I, I think that people forget that it, it's really difficult to get there. Uh, yeah, and, you know, you see it in the NBA too, you know, well, he's only got one championship. Well, you know, back when Charles Barkley played, the fact he had none was a big deal. And as soon as a guy got one, that was like validation for that guy. Now you got to have two or three for anyone to take you seriously. I don't like that mentality at all. It's, it, it's hard to win. People should appreciate it. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, when Alex Ovechkin finally got his Stanley Cup in 2018. You could see that weight lifted off his shoulders, you know, in that yep. opportunity. I'd uh, I'd say the Brewers are having a pretty good year this year. I've only got two more questions for you, Bruce. Uh, another team. I'm not a big basketball guy, but uh, uh, what are your thoughts on the Bucks season so far? 
It's funny because I'm more of a Timberwolves fan than a Bucks fan. Um, it's <laughs> that a is a story. poor decision. <laughs> so here's what, okay, fine. I'll tell the story. So I went down. My my brother lived in the cities. I was oh, 14, maybe years old. So this is like 1991-ish. This is the Jimmy Rogers, Jack McCloskey era Timberwolves that won like five games all season. They were really, really bad. But Target Center had just opened. He got tickets. We sat in the cheap seats. And I had a high ho time cheering on Scott Brooks and Pooh Richardson and whoever else played for that terrible Timberwolves team. And I just kind of became a fan. Um, I, I wasn't really into basketball. I watch a lot of college hoops. I don't watch a lot of NBA. I still watch more college than NBA. That said, this Bucks team is pretty good. And this Phoenix matchup is horrible for them. I, I will see how the Bucks adjust after losing game one, but I, I'm not terribly optimistic for them. I don't know that they've got the team that can hang with Phoenix if Phoenix is playing well. And Phoenix played pretty well Tuesday night. My last question here for uh, him, Nick. I know we're actually right in the middle of recording during uh, game five of the Stanley Cup finals, so we can't keep you waiting too long. Although, Bruce. That's right there on my TV. I see it here, yeah. I was going to say, you want to do some play-by-play -play for us while you're here? Or what's the deal? <laughs> it's intermission now, so I'll tell you, I can't do anything now. Oh, come on. I think you'd be a great Arby's commercial. We just talked to, uh, to Ben Holden about some voiceovers. You should get the job done, Bruce. But actually, my oh, question boy. my question does relate to broadcasting. Uh, of course, predominantly, you're a hockey guy, but you've got some blogs. You do some radio. Uh, is there another sport or two that if you got the chance to, you know, do it at the highest level that you would maybe uh, like to uh, try your hand at at the professional level? Football. It's easily football. It's my other best, my second favorite sport to call. It's a completely different game to call. It's funny. I did a, I did a UMD game. We had to fill in for our normal guy. Boy, this would have been probably 2013 or 2014. So it's been a while since I called the football game. Uh, they went down to Upper Iowa, which I don't know if you know where Upper Iowa is mm -hmm. from, from St. Cloud, having had a football team, which I missed, by the way. Uh, Fayette, Iowa, which you'd go to Cedar Rapids or Cedar Falls, Iowa, Waterloo area. You spend the night there, and then you drive an hour to Fayette because there aren't any hotels in Fayette that can house a football team, apparently. <laughs> so, yeah, Fayette's is it, – it, it, it's like – they dropped a football field on a college campus in the middle of a farm. It's just the weirdest setup. But they ran an offense at Upper Iowa that was run the play, get up to the line, and run a play. So I'm looking at my chart to see who caught the pass, and I look up, and the next play is already underway. <laughs> I was in trouble. It took till the third quarter before I figured out what's going on. And that's it, people think that hockey's so hard, but it took a while to adjust to just the pace and, and the way football works, but football has always been one of my favorite sports. And, and if I had to pick one to call, that'd be the one. I got one final question for you, Bruce. And again, thank you so much for joining us uh, this afternoon and evening, especially during the uh, game five Stanley cup final. Uh, but I, I guess I want you to give Huskies fans some advice here. And uh, this is the question I'm going to propose to you. So again, the Huskies fans, uh, just fresh off of a national runner-up title. Uh, the expectation now is there. They didn't really have, I don't think, expectations coming into last season. I think this season there is. And the expectation is we need to get back there and we need to actually finish the job, right? It's finishing that fight. Uh, it's going to be a lot tougher this year 
on this go around again, especially with those expectations. Uh, what would you say to Huskies fans as uh, the Huskies come into this season, which uh, with a much different weight on their shoulders with a much different expectations, uh, what should Huskies fans expect uh, from the, uh, I guess the program has gone through has won some national championships recently. What was that grind like? What were those ups and downs like? Uh, I would advise that you take a step back and enjoy this because again, it's really hard to do what St. Cloud State did last season, and it's really hard to do it a second year in a row. Uh, and the fact that other teams have done it does not mean it's going to be easy for St. Cloud State or anybody else to do it. Uh, I go back to, to 2011 when UMD won its first title. Uh, North Dakota was the, the the number one team going into the tournament. They they were the top dog. That was the Brock Nelson, Che Genaway, I think, was on that team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were really, really good. And they ran into Michigan in the national semifinals after UMD had beaten Notre Dame in the first game. And, and Michigan, Scooter Vaughn scored twice. There's the the famous image of the North Dakota fans flipping off Scooter Vaughn as he scores and he's celebrating behind the net. And it was Sean Hunwick, the five foot seven goaltender from Michigan, stopped like 45 shots or something, and Michigan won two zip. And and I remember the press conference after that game, and, and I forget who the player was for North Dakota, but they asked him you know, can you still look at the season as a success? They, they won the WCHA. They got to the Frozen Four, and they thought their season was a failure because they didn't win a national championship. And I would caution, and this isn't just St. Cloud. This is everybody. Never, ever, ever put yourself in a position where getting to the Frozen Four is considered a failure. And that's it, Yes, I, can, I understand being disappointed when you lose, but you have to, to me, you have to enjoy the season, enjoy the journey, and appreciate an accomplishment like that for how difficult it is. And, and if you can do that, it's, it, I'm not going to say it's easy because it's hard to do that. Uh, it's hard to look at, at, at losing that last game and not being upset about it. I get that. But you'd rather play in the last game than you know, be one of these teams that doesn't get in the tournament at all, which you don't want to be in that spot. If you get there, appreciate the fact you got there and try to enjoy the run to get there because there's going to be ups and downs. And and part of what makes these teams as good as they are is that they can, they can manage those ups and downs and come up better on the other side. And a quick follow-up for you, Bruce, uh, this season, again, uh, fans, uh, at every single, I, I would think right now, we're expecting the NCHC. We had Josh Fitton on earlier this summer, uh, fully expects that the buildings will be at full capacity. Uh, I guess for the players, for you, and, and I guess also for ourselves here, uh, for the Huskies, uh, how excited are you to finally be walking into a packed building to watch a, a college hockey game for this upcoming season? How's it not going to be emotional, right? I mean, you, you know, you've, we all took it for granted for all those years and, you know, just the, the, the little things like walking into a quick trip on a road trip, I think for me, it, are gonna, you, you'll appreciate them all over again. Walk into Ralph Engelstead Arena, which is, I don't care what anybody says about, you can say what you want about North Dakota. I understand why people don't like them, but I don't know how you don't appreciate that building when you walk into it. The history in that building, it's just a wonderful place to watch a hockey game. It, to be able to do that again will be great. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's going to be awesome. Um, I, I can't wait to get on the road and, and see fans and buildings. I can't wait to walk into our building, you know, October 9th for a home opener against Bemidji and see fans. It's, it's going to be great. I think it's going to be emotional for a lot of people in a way maybe they don't expect because we took it for granted for all those years. We didn't have it last year. And I, I think now that we're seeing it and, you know, 
baseball games in full stadiums and hockey, these hockey games in full arenas. I, I think now we have maybe a greater appreciation for what having those fans means for the quality of the game that's being played in front of us. Bruce uh, again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, best of luck to you and as well to the Bulldogs for this upcoming season. I'm sure we'll pass by each other, both at either Amsoil or at the Herbert's National Hockey Center. So I'll be sure to catch up with you soon. Have a great rest of the summer. And uh, again, good luck. Thanks again for joining us. You got it anytime. And we'll see you guys at the rink next season. I can't wait. Thanks, Thanks Bruce. Bruce. Us as well. Once again, as always, uh, thank you to, of course, our guests for this week, Bruce Siski. Uh, always love having these guests on the show um, and wishing Bruce and the Bulldogs nothing but the best, of course, except against the St. Cloud State Huskies, as always, right, Nick? Not even against them, but uh, we hope the Huskies, of course, eke out the win. Nick, we've got an interesting week coming up here, of course. Like we mentioned, we're doing a little bit of filming uh, today, if you're hearing this on Thursday, uh, at the Herbrooks National Hockey Center. Uh, and we're going to be doing some other filming related to uh, our St. Cloud State preview potentially uh, at the arena as well. But Nick, we have a caveat for next week that's different from uh, the past couple of weeks. Uh, do you know what that is? And can you inform our listeners as to uh, the one change coming up for next week? Remind me because my old brain <laughs> is completely frozen solid we'll put it this, that this, way th folks this was this is the part where i am rambling on and i try to give nick maxson something to talk about so that it sounds like we're having a rapport but anyway we're having a rapport with you as the listener we will not have a guest next week because both nick maxson and i are on vacation um quite a literal quite vacation um not just a hey we feel like taking a week off we're actually taking a week off in another place vacation so it's, it's strange i know uh, so Nick, I, I guess for the listeners, where are you headed off to? I'm headed down to the Twin Cities to see family actually in your neck of the woods near Apple Valley. Going to have some raisin canes and hang out. Where are you headed? Uh, anything that's a far away from you. Uh, <laughs> uh, actually, I'll be heading the opposite direction. I'll be having up to uh, northern Minnesota. Um, family's running a cabin uh, and, and Crandy. It's a big family. So uh, myself, uh, my three sisters, some of my nieces and nephews will be there. Of course, my parents. So it's it's going to be one jolly old great time at the cabin. Uh, hopefully everybody comes back alive because <laughs> we do a lot of activities. It's, it's uh, fishing, it's wakeboarding, it's tubing, and uh, somehow everybody comes out without any major injuries that's all i'm hoping for uh but there'll be plenty of celebrating uh and as you and i both know what you know as we kind of get towards the end of july here uh not only do we have some big nhl news coming but we're also starting to really start to prep for uh i guess the fall here i guess uh mm -hmm. the fall semester is only at least for me will be at that point only about five weeks away so it's kind of like the not the last hurrah, but uh, sort of kind of getting uh, some energy out, trying to relax and enjoy yourselves before uh, the grind kicks back in again, which will be uh, my final, uh, weird to say this, but final uh, academic year at St. Cloud State. Um, so uh, big things coming. So. Yeah, uh, time for you to get get it the heck out of Dodge there, Nick. August twenty third, right, man. <laughs> August twenty third is at four p.m. is my start date. Uh, as far as we know, uh, if you're listening to this, we're hoping that on Sunday, episode number sixty nine hashtag nice is going to uh, be the <laughs> be the Saint Cloud State preview. Uh, um, barring any technical difficulties that we have, then like we mentioned, no guests next week, and then I believe episode number seventy will be the kind of last of our previews. We'll touch a little bit on uh, that non conference schedule that the Huskies have coming up there uh, as well as some other tidbits and information you won't want to miss but that will do it episode number 68 with Bruce Hiskey it was a blast as always and we look forward to seeing you back in the den for episode number 69. <laughs>
Palmer. Come in, they score! Ripped in! A bomb from Perks! No, Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. Dwayne Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.